This is for a boy between 9 and 11. I'm in a place called Katakosh, just outside of Mosul. This is a, a church that was completely destroyed uh, by ISIS. As we were coming through, one of our team uh, discovered one of the Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. I don't know who gave it, who sent it, but uh, it touched the life of a child at one point. And of course, we asked people when they pack a box to always pray. You never know where that box will go. Where are the lost? Where are the hardest to get to people groups? Where has the gospel of Jesus not been preached and proclaimed? In Acts 13, 47, for so the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. We live in a broken world, an evil world. Yet Jesus gave us orders. He said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have a job to do. When we talk about going to the ends of the earth, we're talking about shoebox gifts that are taking the gospel to the hardest to reach areas of the world. If you want to bring hope to a broken society, it's the gospel.
and Operation Christmas Child is not about passing out toys, it's about the gospel. Each kid, when they receive that box, they're gonna hear the presentation of the gospel clearly. They make a decision for Christ, and then they're trained and equipped to go out and share their faith with others. And many times in areas where it's an unreached people group, the Bible tells us the time is now. We're in the South Pacific. I want to reach these islands for Christ. These are poor areas. People don't have any hope. People don't come here. There's no tourists here, but we're going to be here. I'm right outside of Mazlan, Mexico, about six hour drive up in the mountains with Operation Christmas Child. This is where people that are brave are taking Operation Christmas Child to the ends of the earth. We need boxes that are packed by families, by churches and groups, but we also need boxes that are packed online. When you build a shoebox online, these are the boxes that give us access into hard to reach places of the world. We go at great lengths, great effort, to take these boxes to children in the most remote parts of the world. It's an incredible journey. You know, the mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus. Children are coming to faith. Children are being discipled. And children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Kristen, and we want to get you connected with Next Steps. What does that mean? Well, Next Steps is where you can come in and you can discover your purpose for the kingdom and in the church, and we can get you plugged in. Jake, how do we sign up? Um, you can sign up at the Welcome Center or see any staff member or go to the website, onlybelieve.church. Or see us. Or see us, yeah. When is Next Steps? Uh, Next Steps is the first Sunday of every month. Um, there is babysitting and lunch afterwards every time so well we hope you uh join us at next steps and we can't wait to see you and help you discover your purpose see you there discover your purpose church family. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I am glad you're here today. Now turn to the other side and say, I'm glad you're here today. We are a church family and sometimes family gets a little bit messy, but we need to be there to support each other. We need to be there to encourage each other. And so we are glad that you are here with us to experience life, to experience this part. Glad that you are here to make a difference, amen. If you are tuning in via live stream, we are glad that you've tuned in. Hit that like button, leave a comment. Let us know that you're watching with us. Let us know if there's anything that you need prayer about. We wanna stand in the gap for you and with you and use our faith with yours as well. If you are a first time guest in the house today, there is a red card in the back of the pew in front of you. If you would fill that out and either drop it in the offering bucket or take it out to the welcome center, we wanna get connected with you. We wanna find out how we can be there to support you, how we can pray for you. 
and all around just how we can encourage you. So if that is you, say something to the person next to you. Take that card out to the Welcome Center, and we would love to get you plugged in. We do have a couple announcements for you today. Uh, the first is we will be changing our online giving platform from push pay to giving. Uh, this allows you to view all of your OBM activity in one location. The change allows the church to be better stewards of your giving because there are lower processing fees with this new way to give electronically. If you do have any questions, you can see Andrew Rogers and he would be glad to explain it. Um, I know my family has already switched to the, the giving app. It's very simple, but if you need him to walk you through it, he would be more than welcome to do that. So this is my daughter, Adeline, and she's gonna give you our last announcement. Our Sydney Farmers Market Outreach team went out for the last time this weekend. We gave out a total of 4,350 hot dogs this year. Thank you all to, the, to all who, that volunteered this year and made a difference in our community. Amen. That's awesome, isn't it? For those of you who did go out to the Sydney Farmers Market, we want to say thank you. We could not have done it without you. Uh, there's definitely going to be another opportunity. You just need to pay attention and find out when those opportunities arise. But it's a great way to impact the community around you, to encourage those who are in your community, and just be able to share the gospel. Before we do get into worship, though, I do want to leave you with a, a word of encouragement. There are times where... Personally, I feel, okay, God, what, where, what are you doing in my life? Where are you taking me? What is this process? What is this season that I'm going through? What is the end result? And I know he knows it, and he has a plan and a purpose for my life, but I don't see it at the time. And last night, or yesterday morning, my family and I were at a cross-country meet for my oldest son, and we found a caterpillar a woolly worm. And I was reminded that caterpillars and tadpoles have to go through a metamorphosis. And it's one that God has put into place for them to change into what he's created them to be. So we may not necessarily see that butterfly form, the frog or the toad. We may still be in that caterpillar stage, that awkward, clumsy, kind of funny looking stage, but God's got a beautiful butterfly planned. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, all things are new. So we can put our hope and our trust in him that he has a plan and a purpose for our lives. That we might be that caterpillar, but we don't know when we're gonna go into that cocoon and emerge a butterfly for the purpose that he has. And sometimes that looks like brokenness. If you think of a stained glass window, it starts out as broken pieces of glass, but the maker has a intended purpose for what that broken glass is gonna look like at the end, amen? So we can trust him that he has it under control. If you would stand to your feet, let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now that you are doing a good work in our lives. 
that we can praise, that we can dance, Father, in anticipation for what you have coming. Father, that you have a plan in store for our lives and that you can use us as a vessel to impact the world. And so we praise you this morning in Jesus' name. defeated on the cross you took the pain and place for us and fear has lost and love has won and victory becomes our song through the darkness I hear the sound of heaven singing now now a screaming victory we praise you cause the chains are gone we praise you and we can't stop singing you're great and you do miracles so we dance we dance we dance in victory yes we dance we dance on the cross You took the pain and place for us Oh yes Now fear has lost and love has won And victory And victory becomes our song Oh yes I see a light burst through the darkness of heaven singing out, now it's screaming victory. We praise you because the chains are gone. We praise you and we can't stop singing. You're great and you do miracles, so we dance. We praise you because the chains are gone. We praise you and we Freedom breaking out 
we raise our voices loud here right now here right now and can you hear the sound of the freedom breaking out we raise our voices loud here right now here right now and can you hear the sound of the freedom breaking out we raise our voices loud it's here right now Yo! Yeah. 
We're going to partake of communion today. As we get into it, I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 26. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, 
And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus did this at an annual feast known as Passover to Israel. And Passover, for us to understand, we've got to go all the way back to the Exodus. When God was going to deliver the Israelites out of bondage, out of captivity in Egypt, he did it through a final plague where this angel of death would come and destroy all the firstborns, which was a sign of God's justice. For Egypt had killed many firstborns of Israel, right? There was wickedness, there was sinfulness happening there, and God was going to bring judgment on it. Yet it also shows us the mercy of God, that there was a way of rescue. See, the Israelites, could, they could slay a lamb and they could paint their doorposts with the blood of that lamb and then they could enter into that home and they could be rescued. God's desire was for rescue. And here's the cool thing, is that anyone could enter into that home. The rescue wasn't just for the Israelites. It was for anyone who by faith would respond to God and move through the blood into the home. They could be rescued. At this feast that God then institutes through Moses, he says, you will do this every year. You will have this feast in remembrance of my rescue. Why? Because it wasn't the last time they were going to need rescue. No, the Old Testament shows us how over and over and over again, the sinfulness in all of human hearts, including Israel's, would lead them astray from God. And yet again, every year, they had a reminder of how he was going to be their rescue. And Jesus shows up. Jesus says, here's a new covenant. This covenant's not with some slain lamb. I am the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he would allow himself to be slain and his blood to be poured out so that we could find forgiveness. And not just forgiveness. No, the thing that changes with Jesus is that we don't stay in a perpetual state of needing that rescue. Jesus comes in and he says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new heart. And this heart's going to follow me. And just like with the Passover feast, there was a continual reminder every year of how God had rescued them and how God would be faithful to continue rescue them. Jesus said, I give you this new meal as a reminder. Take and eat as often as you gather together. Remember me. For in taking this meal, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Church, I want you to know that none of us is perfect yet. That yeah, we've been given a new heart, and in our heart we desire to live for God, yet we still miss the mark. But here's the good news, church. God's the one that set them free in Egypt, and God's the one that sets you free today. The only thing that we can do, the only part that we get to play is by saying, I believe in the blood of Jesus. That's the only thing I can do. I can't do any work on my own to earn this forgiveness, to receive this salvation. It is only by saying, I believe the blood of Jesus is enough for me. And Jesus gives us this. He says, this is the new covenant. It's all about my blood now. And I'm going to take away all your sin. Continually come back to this place. Continually come back to this place of remembering what it cost me. Remember how my body was broken. Church, as you take the bread today, as you chew on it, I want you to just, I want you to just meditate. That every bite you take, 
imagine the body of Jesus being crushed for you. For you, every bite. And take your time. Don't rush through this because it was not a quick experience for your Savior. He suffered. He was brutally murdered. The Bible says that he was disfigured beyond the point of being recognizable as a man. And he did that for you so that you could find freedom. Why? Because God's heart, while he is just, and he will bring judgment. Church, he will bring judgment. But his desire is for mercy. If you're here today and you have not placed your faith in Jesus, then the reality is that you still carry your sin. And the reality is that one day, the God who is making all things new and who will undo all wrong that's ever happened, he's going to eradicate sin and evil and wickedness. And if you're carrying your sin, you will not have a part in his new kingdom. But his desire is not to destroy. His desire is to renew and to bring new life from death. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I'm pleading with you. Just like the Israelites could have pled for the foreigner to join them in their home and to receive the salvation of the Lord, I'm, I'm pleading with you today. If you don't know Jesus, if you've not accepted his grace, if you've not asked him for the forgiveness of your sins, if you've not done that, I'm pleading with you to join us in the house. It's not that hard. It just takes humility. When Jesus had Passover with his disciples, there was one fellow who was there that we would all look at and say, that guy shouldn't have been there. And his name was Judas. But I'm grateful Judas was there. Because Judas, in my mind, is the most unworthy person to be able to receive the Lord's Supper. He betrayed Jesus. Be at the love of God is greater than any of our sins. And Jesus wanted Judas to know, I did this for even you. It doesn't matter how far away you feel like you are from God. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you think you've made. It doesn't matter how unworthy you think you are to come to Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus says he spilled his blood for you too. And you are welcome to come and receive of his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and to find that new life. But no one can make that choice for you. You have to make that choice for yourself. So here's what we're going to do, church. I'm going to pray and I'm going to bless the elements. They're going to go into the next worship song and we're going to take communion as part of our worship. And I want you to know that communion is a, a moment for us to reflect. It's a moment of repentance, bringing ourselves back to the basics, that it's about his blood. But he purchased me so that I wouldn't keep living the way that I was. And he's making all things new, and he's making me more and more like himself every day. So I'm going to keep coming to the table. I'm going to keep reminding myself of what Jesus is doing. But the table of the Lord is also a celebration because he has done it. The victory is already secured. Your sins are already able to be forgiven because the price has already been paid. So we celebrate as we confess, knowing that if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So take your time and meditate, confess of your sins, and celebrate the grace and mercy that you have in Jesus to forgive you of your sins. If you're here today 
and you don't know Jesus or you're far from Jesus or maybe you once knew Jesus and you have run from Jesus and you've been living a lifestyle of sin, but today you want to come back and you want to enter again into the house and be covered by the blood. Our altar team is going to be standing right down here at the front of the stage. There's going to be somebody on this side and somebody on this side, and you're going to know who they are because they're going to be looking out into the crowd. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to say, today is my day of salvation. I'm going to enter under the blood, and I'm going to be rescued because I know that God is good, and he loves me, and he doesn't desire for me to be destroyed but to be saved. If that's you, then as we partake of communion, come and ask one of these people, they will lead you in a prayer of repentance and then they're going to take communion with you because you're part of the community and you've been brought into the covenant of the blood of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your goodness and your desire, God, to rescue. We know that you're just and we know that you will judge sin and wickedness. We know that in the kingdom coming, that no more wickedness or sin or evil or death or sorrow or pain will exist anymore. For the old order of things is being washed away and all is going to be made new. And your desire is for all of us to be in this new thing. And we enter into it through the blood of your son. I pray for everyone here today. I pray for myself that we would look at our hearts, that we would know how desperate we are for your mercy and your grace to cover us. If it weren't for you, God, we would have nothing. Help us to come to your table today in confession and in celebration. And Father, for those of us in this room today who are far from you, even though none of us are really that far, for you're always drawing near and you're always drawing us. I pray for those who have not yet placed their faith in Jesus, that today would be their day of salvation, their day of rescue. I pray that they would respond, that they would come forward and they would pray the prayer of repentance, Father, and partake of communion and enter into the new life that you offer us, Father, knowing, God, knowing they'll be rescued from the judgment. God, thank you for your goodness. I pray that your presence would be with us as we partake of the body and the blood of Jesus, which was broken and shed for us to cleanse us and to forgive us and to justify and to heal. We pray that as we partake of communion that healing would happen in this house. Father Jesus, he, he bore the stripes so that we could be made whole. So I pray for healing. God, may healing come. May bondages be broken off as we partake of the body and the blood. Father, may freedom come in real ways. The mental health, Father, would be restored, God, that you would just bring restoration power, new life power into us today, Jesus. And we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As the worship team leads us back into worship, you can come and grab your communion at will. And please, please, please don't miss this opportunity to give your life to Jesus. The altar team's waiting for you down front.
hear its sound, rushing with fire of God, fall within, Holy Ghost, breathe on us, we pray. As we repent and turn from sin, revival lamp, a smoldering breath of God, fan us into flame. We need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Oh, oh pour your spirit out. The hearts that burn, the holy fear, purify faith and deed. Finest fire, strength in what remains. So we, the church, bear your light, lamp of flame, city bright, king and kingdom come is what we pray. Cause we need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out. Spirit out, a holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. We need, we need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Oh. 
worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. Oh, we'll shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. we shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolls stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Yeah. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Oh, we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. House of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. But we'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. But we'll shout out your of the Lord today. Amen. Wow. God is good. 
all the time. Wow, good worship today, right? Good communion, praise the Lord. I want to talk to you just a little while about giving. Not only in your tithing, but giving. Uh, found in uh, Luke 6:38. This is probably one of my favorite scriptures. But from verse 27 down through the rest of the chapter, he really is setting in motion the uh, law of sowing and reaping. The Bible says, whatever you sow is what you reap. Amen. Luke 6 and 38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. In that, I want to share something with you when I was I'd probably been preaching probably a couple years, uh, working on our my first church that we had established, and uh, all the kids were small then, but we had I had the opportunity in my hometown where I was raised in West Virginia. They called me to come and minister. So my uncle lived on top of a mountain and had a big pond there, beautiful place. And so I took the kids, we had a 10-man tent, we set it up, and so we camped out for three or four days while we were doing preaching. Kind of killed two birds with one stone. The kids enjoyed it, we did, and we had a wonderful time. But I remember getting there and working and everything, and I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, we got to get back to Ohio, which is about a six-hour drive, and I had $20 in my pocket. That's all I had. Of course, back then, gas was about 75 to 80 cents a gallon. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> and so, trying to make this story a little shorter than what it is, but we had preached for four nights, and... No offerings were taken. And you know, if you preach the gospel, you live by the gospel. And so I never really thought too much about it, but the last night of the revival, there was a little widow woman that came to the pastor, and the pastor said to me, said, Brother Lively, is it okay if we take an offering up? for her because she's about ready to lose her home and everything because her husband got hurt, couldn't work, and she was, anyway, they took up a love offering for him, and God spoke to me and says, put that $20 in that offering. Boy, I didn't want to do that. Seriously. I took that $20, I put it in that offering. And that night, after service, give and it shall be given unto you. 
I planted a $20 bill. A lady walked up to me as I was getting in my car that night and she put some money in my, paw, in my hand and said, Brother Lively, God said for me to give you this. When I got in the vehicle and opened it up and there was two $20 bills in there. Are you hearing me? I left there. We went back, took the kids back home. My next meeting, I went there, and they said, Brother Lively, where are you going from here? I said, well, I'm going to this town to preach. And they gave me an offering that night of $120. All in $20 bills. Now, I haven't got it yet, so I go and I get to this place of revival. And of course, I gave my wife some money before I left to pay bills or whatever it was, and the money that I had left just got me to the place. And I get there, and it's out in the middle of nowhere. How many of you know where Ironton, Ohio is? <laughs> so I get there and the address is a little second hand shop on the road going to Ironton on the right and that's the address and I get there and I said I don't see no church around here and so I went into this little place and he said oh yeah he said I called you he said you see that big uh flatbed trailer out there in, in the field? Yeah, he said, that's where we're going to have the meeting. So I spent every dime I had to go buy some speakers so we could have a little bit of sound. We set that meeting up to make a long story short. That meeting, there was a family, uh, a lady came and asked me to go home with her for supper. And so we went, her and her husband, she said, my husband's there. He's not here tonight, and he's not saved. <clears throat> I said, okay. So we get there. About three minutes before we get there, it starts pouring the rain. You can't see anything, okay? So I get there, and she gets out and runs in the house. She says, come on in, Brother Lively. We're going to fix supper. I said, okay. And so I get out of the... When I step out, here is this guy <clears throat> in a rain jacket out there, fumbling around trying to get a fence open. You remember the old fence? You had to pull the logs back. And so I said, what's, what, what's going on? He said, my horses is out. He said, I've got to find them in this rain. We'll never get them. I said, well, I'll help you. Here I am in a suit. So I go out there. We're chasing these horses down. We get them all back in the field. About an hour and a half later, I am totally soaking wet. Didn't have any change of clothes with me except uh, a few pair of underwear. You know what I mean? Back in the days, that's all you had. Well, to make a long story short, we had supper that night, and I left and got back home. No offering, no nothing. Traveled by faith. Okay? One year later, 
I'd been preaching all over. One year later, I was going to Washington, D.C. to hold a revival. Remember when they had the garbage strike? That's when it was. <clears throat> I got about 40 miles from Washington, D.C., and I looked down to my gas gauge, and it was almost on empty. I knew I didn't have enough gas to get the rest of the way. Didn't have any money, Pastor. I think I had about three bucks. I look up on a hill, and here's a light that says American. Uh, what is the name of that motel, America uh, Express Inn or something like that? Holiday Inn, that's it. Express Inn, Holiday Inn. And so the Lord said to me, pull in there. So I go in there, and I go into the lobby, and I'm going to call this pastor. I'm looking for, so I go down this hallway, and here's the phone booth right there. So I go up there, and I'm going to call this pastor and tell him I'm going to be real late. I'm leaving the Lord for some money. So I opened up my little black book that I had all of my numbers in, and I opened it up. The last time I had that book out and open was in that lady's house where she fed me supper and I helped to put the horses back in. I opened that book up, two $20 bills fell out at my feet. That man got saved, put two $20 bills in that book. Let me tell you something. You believe this word right here it comes to pass all the time you cannot outgive God and listen if you need repentance if somebody has an ought against you forgive them God will forgive you can you say man everything you sow you'll get back and God taught me this you cannot give him. Will you bow your heads with me and let us pray today. Father God, I pray today, God, that you, Lord God, touch people and allow them to realize, God, that you're faithful. You're not only faithful today, but you were faithful in the past and you will be faithful in the future. I thank you, God, Father, that you're touching every believer today. And everyone, Lord God, that has to give, those that don't have to give, that they'll muster up enough faith to give and put you to the test, God. Because, Father, you are faithful in every area of our lives, and you will do that. Bless this offering. Bless those that give. Multiply it, God, that we can preach the gospel around the world. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you.
Hallelujah. Praise God forever. You know, we want to encourage you uh, that you understand that we desire that you know God, not just know about Him, but that you come to know God, not only in a personal Savior, but an ongoing, active part of your life. And we want you to find freedom. Freedom from addictions and bondages and things that you struggle with. We want to encourage that. And we desire as a church, you find your purpose. A life without purpose is just a life that ends unfruitful. And then we encourage you that you get involved and make a difference on the dream team. And uh, get involved and just do lots of great things. And... uh, I believe that God wants to bless you and prosper you. Amen? Hallelujah. I think uh, Ben and uh, that, oh, that woman he's married to, what's your name? Uh, Han- what is it? Hannah? Hannah, yeah. Hannah, are you and Ben here? Yeah, right here. Oh, uh-oh, here's Hannah. Where's Ben? He is right back there. Come up here, Mr. Shadow. Me and my shadow. Yeah, bring him with you, Ben. (laughs) Ben and Hannah just returned from, uh, what's that city? San Pedro Sula. Honduras. Honduras. (laughs) And uh, Ben's been going to Honduras, and I was so thrilled that uh, you took your children this time. We did. And you took your mother. We did. Yes. Did she pay for everything? No, she didn't. No, she didn't. No. Oh, man. We love her. <laughs> oh, man. They call, her, they call her Granny the Nanny. Granny the Nanny. Granny, yes. Oh, that's a pretty good word, Granny the Nanny. <laughs> All right. So tell me what happened in Honduras. So we took a team of about 27 uh, down to San Pedro. We've... That's from different churches. From different and, churches, and different states, yeah. actually, as well this year. So and we different were, pastors and yes, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. We're honored, we, we're honored to take a lot of first-timers. Um, every year we take a lot of first-timers on their first in, international mission trip. And so it's, it's always awesome to see kind of that shock when they first get um, on the ground in another country. Um, just different everything. Um, but then to watch them just move with the Lord. Um, in the different events and services that we do, just to start to step out and trust him a little more. It's always really special and as a trip leader. you were there, but you guys had built a church right in that area. We had, yes. We've built, um, we've built three churches over the last four years cool. um, down there. So the, uh, the one that we were closest to, the one that we visited, um, is a really cool story. Uh, a gentleman, about four years ago, we were ministering down there, uh, and afterwards, we had an altar call, and we uh, called for people to come up um, that were struggling with purpose, et cetera, things like that. And a young couple came up, and they were just married. I think they were about 22. And um, I've never seen someone weep so hard. They were just weeping, and, and the Lord gave them a word. And uh, we come to find out that they were about to get a divorce. The husband was about to try to come up through Mexico illegally to the United States, Uh, They couldn't have a baby, just all kinds of things. And the Lord healed all those things that night. Nine months later, they had a baby. That night, um, they accepted a call to ministry. 
And so um, Pastor Herman is his name, and he's 26 now. We built him his first church two years ago. That sat about 100. He outgrew that in two years, and so we built him one for 800. So he's working to fill that one up um, Ooh, right yeah. now. So, Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and you pray for the sick. And, Absolutely. And we all see that a lot kind of cool of miracles. Absolutely. Our whole team does. Good. Praise God. Absolutely. Well, Ben, we're proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. You too, buddy. You want to say anything, honey? <laughs> yeah, honey. Say something. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, we get to have a, a women's event. And normally in Honduras, the household is a 70% women only. So it's a mom and kids. Did you just start that this time? Started last year. So pastor has been telling me for a number of years, you should do something. And I said, eh, I just support. But we started last year. We did a... Uh, a women's event, which just means it's like a women's conference, basically. And so hundreds of women come, and they're only women. They don't bring their kids, really. It's just women. And we minister woman to woman. So no man leads, preaches, or anything. It's all women-led. And we get to pray for so many emotional healings. So there's so much rape and abuse from the time that they're about two or three as a female. They're just continually used. And so even if they've gotten married and had kids, they're still abused. Yeah. Uh, so we've gotten to do that for the last two years, and we've seen just phenomenal reports back. You know, we, see, we hear later what's happened in their life, and they've gotten saved. They've gotten baptized. Um, we got to baptize a bunch of kids one night. They got, a bunch of kids got saved, got baptized. So, so you teach the women like karate and stuff so they don't no. get abused? No, no. We teach them how to pray. Don't you think a nine millimeter would be better? It's illegal there. No. Technically, they're not allowed to have those. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Praise God. Good. I knew you're making a difference and uh, just doing a good job. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Well, last week we took up an offering for Shelby County Right to Life. The reason that we did that was that just a short period of time, two or three weeks before that, the uh, FBI, sanctioned by our government, started arresting people that were voicing their opinion, which we have a freedom of speech. And so this is an issue. Who is in office is not an issue. That, not an issue. Just get over it is not an issue. You aren't going to change it four years from now. You get to change it. But we have to pray for our president. We have to pray for our government and lift them up. So there's no sense in just talking about them, screaming about them. Just get... Lowe's ought to be without ladders. In other words, you ought to buy one and get over it. But... This is an injustice where Christians or people that have a viewpoint are able to express it in America. And this was an injustice, not only an oppression of their freedom, their right to speak out their opinion or their belief system, and it was sanctioned by the government to use excessive force to do so. That is an injustice. That is what we can do something about. We can fight. 
we can pray. So when you leave the sanctuary today, you're going to get a little card. It has on your card all of the senators, congressmen, representatives, and so forth of our state of Ohio that you can make phone calls to, that you can email, and you can tell them your disappointment about this injustice that was sanctioned by our government against people that had a legal right to voice their opinion about abortion and abortion clinics. And so I encourage you to do that. You know, you can complain that, well, everybody, I don't like this, I don't, do something. My word, just do something. Amen? And uh, so, in retaliation of that, of what I wanted to do, was I wanted to just get us mindful. You know, we don't deal too much hands-on with abortions and so forth. We might know people that have had them, um, you know, and things of that nature, but we really don't engage abortion clinics and so forth here in Midwestern Ohio. But I still want us as a church to be behind organizations that are in our county. And since the church is in Shelby County, I chose Shelby County. And uh, so uh, we took an offering last week, uh, $3,999. Uh, David, if you'd have gave one more buck, we could have made four grand. Okay, <laughs> do it today. Well, it'll be a hundred today and give it to me personally. Now, uh, <laughs> so what we've done is we've invited uh, representatives of Shelby County Right to Life to receive this check, which is your expression of the injustices that happen through abortion. And uh, so if you guys would please come up. Probably, uh, could I have my microphone down there, Bill? Phyllis says, oh, thank you, Ashley. Probably 100% of the people don't know what right to life is. They see the building, they hear about it, but what do you do? First of all, I'm invited or appreciative of uh, you inviting us here to receive this donation. Our purpose is to choose life. What is life? Who gave us life? God created life. So that's what our mission is, to protect all life, even the unborn. Yeah. And we do everything possible to focus on that in Shelby County. Ways we do that is through education. That's probably the biggest thing that people don't understand really what abortion is, what life is, when it begins, those kinds of things. So education. We also do a program that is post 
abortion recovery for those individuals that have had abortions and are just lost. We help them regain their own respect, but then also respect God and what, how they can recover from maybe a wrong that they've done. Uh, we have a thrift shop, and what that does for Shelby County, we have over 200 families a month come in for various clothing supplies, mainly for children, the families themselves that cannot, especially in today's economy, afford all that. Uh, we also have a program where, especially the, the young families, they can't afford diapers, baby wipes, formula, which has been a big issue in the United yeah. States as far as even supplying that, and baby food. And we've, uh, we serve uh, around 150 families each month that need that. So that is really our mission to serve Shelby County, start locally, but we also interact with other right to life counties that maybe need a little extra help. They're not getting the funds that they need. Yeah. Uh, extra clothing, those kinds of things. I know we do a lot of stuff with uh, Dayton Right to Life. You'd think in that county that they would have a lot of resources, but they don't always do. So we feel very fortunate, and especially here in Shelby County, that the people of Shelby County are so generous, not only with their money, but with their time and their talent. So again, that's really what our purpose is, and we appreciate everything that... Uh, Everybody in Shelby County does as far yeah, as others. I have heard statistically that more children are prone to be, uh, is it lactose intolerant? They, they don't adjust, so they have to have more formula today than they have at any other time. Right. So, uh, wow, that's great. Well, this is from this assembly. And uh, just to let you know that we believe in life, that we believe in life and abundantly, not only just for the little, but for all. And so we just thank you for doing what you guys are doing. We thank you. Thank you and, and Barb, uh, Brenda, so what, what do, uh, can you add to what he said? Men never say enough. <laughs> no, he did a great job. Um, I, I would add that um, we do have a website, the Shelby County Right to Life website. So if you're interested in joining our organization on an individual level, we're always looking for support. We send out a monthly newsletter. Um, Pastor was mentioning letting our legislation know how we feel as um, the public, right? Those people who put them in office. So there's always a little tidbit on the newsletter regarding um, things that are happening within the state and locally that you can uh, let your legislation know whether you support or not that thing. Oh, that's great, Brenda. Uh, that is one thing we all have to come to. It's not somebody else's responsibility to keep you informed. It's your responsibility as an individual Christian to keep yourself informed and empowered with knowledge so that you can do what you need to do. Amen? All righty, praise God. Let's pray for this organization. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
We ask that, God, you would touch this organization, give it greater favor than it's ever had. God, open up ways that they can touch families in ways they've never discovered. Let families in Shelby County, God, begin to respond, see right to life as a friend and not as an enemy. And God, not just as a political identity, but God as a community connection. Now, God bless this work right to life in Shelby County, and we thank you for it. Amen, amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you, Mike. All righty. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Amen. All right, we're going to talk about something that will make the 21st century intellect go crazy. We've been talking about the reality of Satan. The reason that we have started this series is because everybody blames God for the injustices that happen in life. You know, uh, well, your house blew down. It was an act of God. I'm, I'm sure that the three pigs tried that. Said, you know, it was an act of God. Well, things that happen that are evil, that are wrong, basic life, things that just do not point to life can be and should be attributed to the devil. Now, you might say, is everything the devil? Well, is all good things God? Yes. Well, then we have to understand that the devil has to be accredited with evil. Uh, even wars, things of that nature, we have to understand that that is the work of the devil. We know that he is alive. And we know that the only place that he can be defined is not out of Hollywood, but out of Scripture. Don't make him any bigger than he is, but don't make him any littler than he is. Don't make him something that he's not, but don't make him something or subtract from something that he is. Now, realize that when we count things evil, it's kind of like you're going down the road and you get to church 45 minutes late. You come in and say, the devil made me have a flat tire. No, he didn't make you have a flat tire. It was bald before you started. What caused you to have, have a flat tire was El Chipo U. Should have got a ride or something. But sometimes we blame stuff on the devil that is not the devil. So you don't want to get a, a so far out that everything that's happening in your life, that's the devil, that's the devil. I have a friend that I play golf with. Every time he misses a putt, he says, the devil. And so Lincoln and Quinton picked that up. Now you'll hear him. Ah, oh, that's the devil. It's not the devil. Practice putting. Could have get an amen. All right. Praise God. So we started last week talking about, again, how the devil works in our life, how subtle 
he is. Remember, he understands seed process. He understands that he's not going to despise a small beginning. He's going to take advantage of a small beginning. And so, remember when Jesus had this great field of wheat and the disciples said, hey, we've seen some plant in the wheat that you never planted. He said, the devil or the enemy has sown that seed. And that seed was an endangerment to the root system of all those that are around it. So understand, the devil understands the seed process. And all he wants to do is get something started. If he can get something started, he can finish a plan. Remember, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. His own lust. How does lust come? A thought. Remember, if you look upon this woman to desire her, already you have committed fornication. What's Jesus saying? He's telling you that small thoughts begin devastating ends. You have to be careful. That's why it's so important that Jesus Christ is Lord of our eyes, our ears, our mouth, our thoughts, and our activity. Too many of us lend our members to the work of the devil. We think it doesn't mean anything, but it only takes one seed. Have you ever heard the story of Johnny Appleseed? I'm not sure what story you believe, but I think he liked apples and thought everybody should have them, so he just started going through the world planting apple seeds. I don't know if that's true, but that's my rendition of it. And uh, so we planted seeds. So every time we have an apple, we ought to think of Johnny Appleseed. But Johnny Appleseed operated on the level of the wisdom of the devil. And every time he found a place to plant a seed, he planted the seed. Could have given amen. All righty. So we have to understand that the devil, somebody say the devil. Come on, the devil. He is real in the 21st century. He's real today as he was in Jesus' day. He is as real today as he was in Ezekiel and Isaiah, the 14th chapter. He is as real today as he was when he rebelled against God and was thrown out of heaven. He's that real. And he's looking for some way to destroy the very thing that God loves, us. Us. And so we as a church need to wake up. Somebody say, wake up. Now we begin to see things that are creeping in that we walk by and say, oh, I hate that. Oh, I, I, I just, I think that's horrible. It, it, can you believe that? But we do nothing. It's kind of like a person that sees a water in their hand 
and doesn't do anything with it. Get rid of it. It might breed. You might end up with one on your nose. Now, let me give you some ideas of how the devil has invaded our life. And the invasion of that life right now is creating a common mental thinking about evil in your children. You know that you could go down to Sydney, Ohio. You could go to Lima. You could go to the mall. And you are going to find stores that are open that are promoting sorcery. You can go and you can find probably in any given city in America witches that are known witches that have stores that teach and propagate and have a 5013C nonprofit corporation number because witchcraft is a religion. And it's considered that. And we have witch stores coming up all over the place. Our children are aware of them. Our children see them in the malls. They see them on the streets. They see them riding in your cars. They see that. And when we don't say anything about it, when we don't take the initiative to deal with the forces that are establishing in that store, in that community, your children automatically think, and rightly so, that that is right because you did nothing about it. Stop the car. Curse the roots of it. Start dealing with it. Take it on yourself to bring victory to that part of your community and involve your children. Then we take them to the fair. Ah, hallelujah, here is the fortune tellers. You say, oh, that's just fun. No, it's not fun. It is not fun. It is demonic, and it is going to take a price or pay a price on your children. Even when you step up and your child says, oh, mommy, give me a nickel so I can get my uh, fortune told. Stop it. That's wrong. I hate to lay this on you. I just think you ought to just get rid of fortune cookies too. Don't read it, eat it. You know, we all sit down and we look at the Japanese horoscope, then we look at the American horoscope. Are those things right or are they evil? Well, they're evil. If they are evil, then we cannot introduce our children to them. Well, I'm a Libra. I'm a duck. I'm a, I'm, I'm a one-footed bird. I don't know. 
what that stuff is. I don't know. Somebody says, well, who are you? I'm Pete Dosak. No, I mean, what's your sign? This is what Phyllis says it is. No. Look, we have got to stop this because whether you believe it or not, it is enhancing the doorways into our children's lives. You put it off or we put it off as Christians, as nonchalant. Oh, that's just easy stuff. You may even be thinking, well, pastor's just babbling. Lord, we all know this. Really? Then why aren't any of us fighting the fight? How come witches feel at home in our communities? It's not just babble. It is a warning, and I am called to warn you and to watch out for your souls. And I'm telling you that America, listen, what was one of the greatest movies six years ago? Wasn't a Harry Potter? Everybody wanted a Harry Potter wand. In fact, I bought one and tried it. It didn't work, so I had to go back to praying and faster. And you know that's a joke. All right. And so there are blatant manifestation of Satan, his work, and his authority taking place right under our nose, and we are doing nothing about it. Demons are perverting the truth and replacing it with their own doctrine. 2 Timothy 4.1 says that I warn you that the Spirit speaketh expressly. In other words, with much intensity, not just one, over and over and over, he is speaking to us, telling us that doctrines of devils are coming. But we allow and give them place. It is the American way to pollute the land with demonic, godless religions. We believe that everybody can believe or worship the way they want. That's not true. When we do not protect our land, we will end up with a land that is defiled by devils. Now we might say, but well, you can't just hate people. Who said anything about hate? I didn't say anything about hate. I feel very merciful towards those that are blinded. But that doesn't mean I accept what they're blinded by. Look, I would give bread to any Hindu, any Buddhist, and any person, whether they believe like me or not, I would give them water. I would give them a cloak. I would give them a place to sleep. I would help them. But I would not allow them to establish a demonic, deceptive way of worship within the realms that God has given me authority of. I don't know why that is so hard that we think that if we resist, we're hateful. 
I don't hate people, but I do have conceal and carry. Doesn't mean I want to hurt someone, but it means that we are living in a very dangerous world where the focus of God and the focus of others has shifted and man has come to be a lover of himself. And when men have no love or fear of God, they have no government for right or wrong. And so all of this evil begins to come in. We think, well, it doesn't affect us. It doesn't hurt my house values. But it is eroding the roots of our nation as well as the world because we are giving it place. So there are doctrines of devils springing up everywhere. It's being taught in our schools. What type of doctrine do you think that we have incorporated or tried to incorporate in our school system now that a child gets to choose what gender they want to be? They can't even wipe themselves after going to the bathroom. Mommy, I'm done. And you want to let them make those types of decisions? No. Absolutely no. These are doctrines of devils. Believe me, these are doctrines of devils. And I'll tell you where it all started. When the church did nothing about governmental educational sex education. When we turn that over to the hands of unsaved people, we relinquish our right to demand moral justice. Hallelujah. Every believer is responsible for their own salvation. I can watch for your souls and warn you. It's only you that can grasp it and apply it. It's every believer's responsibility to keep Jesus' lordship intact. Luke 6, 46, be doers of the word and not just hearers. We have to start being doers. We cannot watch for your souls by forcing you to do something. You are a free moral agent, and you have to make those decisions. Amen? We can encourage you, but we can't force you. But you have to fulfill your responsibilities. Amen? Just because you get married doesn't mean it's going to be a bed of roses. You get married, you'll find out there's a lot of pricks in that beauty. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Every believer must consent 
as well as discern the truth that they put in their life. It's not easy, but it can be done, and it does take time. So let's examine ourselves. Let's prepare ourselves to live free from sin, and let's prepare ourselves to meet God. To meet God. Hallelujah. So, we as Christians, somebody say, I'm a Christian. Our eyes are being opened at this time. And the reason that it's being opened is because people are looking for truth. And they are looking for truth. So, we as Christians must be ready to give an answer to the gainsayers. That means that we can't give them an answer if we're involved in that which is wrong. Amen? Now, I don't, this is pointed at nobody. I don't think Christians ought to wear scar, skulls on their fingers, hanging from their ears, or on their t-shirts. You're not a punisher. I think there are a lot of things that we do that demote our witness. Amen. When, when I was a, you know, a younger guy or something, I, I might have a woman clad with no clothes on a chain hanging around my neck. But as a Christian, I don't think it should be there. I, I just don't think that. I think if I represent Christ, I should represent Christ. You know. And, uh, but one of the things that we have to watch for is the bewitching of the devil bewitching of the devil. Now, what does bewitching mean? It really has to do with a fishing term. For all you fishing enthusiasts, which I am one, it's just I never catch none. But I love fishing. Now, the bewitchery is like when you are throwing an artificial bait. It looks like the real thing. But once the fish bites they realize it's not the real thing. But they're already hooked and hung up. So they're brought to the boat, put in the cooler, cleaned, fried up, and eaten. So sin always leads to destruction. But you have to understand that a lot of people take truth you know where we get truth at? From anybody that has a mouth. Yeah, anybody that can type. Yeah, that's how we get truth. Well, I've seen on the internet. <laughs> Buddy, that makes you a wizard. That makes you a wise one. Idiots reading after idiots. I, I don't understand that. 
You've never met the people, yet you exalt them. You, you, you've never met them, examined them, yet you follow them. What is that? Is it loneliness? What, what is it? Uh, intellectual emptiness? What, what is it that we have to believe or have somebody else tell us what we believe that we don't know? Now, our pastors and so forth are to teach us. But we at that are still supposed to prove that what he said is in the word of God. But, I'm just taking a wild guess, three of you on the heavy side will go home and study what you learned today. But the biggest percentage of you will go home and click on your favorite person that you don't even know and if they collide with anything that's been said in the house you take the voice of the stranger it's just how people are because we don't care about our spiritual ability I'll tell you how I am if somebody that I know and I've bought books from commits a sin like fornication or something, I throw all their books away. Well, why? Why would I have one? Well, well what they said is still good. If I want unclean things come in my way, yeah, absolutely. Maybe it's just a standard that I've set and I went overboard, but I still want to stay there. I don't watch them on TV. I don't turn into them. I, I just don't. I'm done. Well, don't you forgive? Yes, absolutely, I forgive. But if you think that I think that forgiving means stepping back into the pulpit in six weeks, I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that. I believe there has to be a standard. And I think that men have to reprove themselves. Well, well we forgave. I, I, yes, we forgave. What about the wife that sits on the front row that has to hear his messages when she knows he's never lived one of them? So, when we are bewitched, we ultimately become deceived. The Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth, just the truth. Praise God. As believers, our minds have been bound, but they should be renewed and transform us that we will walk in the will of God. A lot of times we let the old mind rule us more than we do the mind that God is offering us. Amen. Amen. 
I wonder what Jesus would think, and I, and I shudder to think that if he came to my house and said, hey, Peter, this is your week. You and I, buddy, we are like two peas in a pod. I'm going to find out what you really, really are. And I've got a record of what you've been doing in the past, and I just want to view the TV that you view. I want to listen to the honky-tonk music that you listen to, which I don't listen to honky-tonk music. Why? I don't want my trailer back, I don't want my dog back, and I don't want that woman that ran off back. So I don't listen to honky-tonk. I don't listen to secular music. I just don't. I remember the old stuff, but I can't help that. And so, and then Jesus came. How would we live if he lived with us for a week? Now, like I said, I hope it goes to all your houses and not mine. Well, are you doing something terrible? No, no, absolutely not. But I certainly don't want to chance him being there if I am. I had a bunch of guys over at the house one time and I was looking I was watching uh, Kingdom of God have ever you any seen that movie well I watched it through VidAngel and had it recorded so I could watch it I just had a good time well one day I didn't have my recording and guys came over I said well let's watch this Kingdom of God because I'd never seen it in his good version well, it wasn't but a couple of minutes, and I heard Ed say, Hey, Pastor, I don't think you want us watching this. So by the time I got in there, it was over, and I thought, Man! No, I didn't think that. Listen, I've been known not to go to movies because they showed somebody's rear end. I don't want to be cracked up by other people. I, I just... I just don't. And then the devil uses this. Everyday overload. Everyday overload. Now I know that all this is simple. But I need to get it out to you. Everyday overload. Things that are constantly bombarding us. The economy. The lack of morals. Murders, mockers, complainers, rebellious things and people. Everything that comes against authority. Do you know how many officers have been killed in the last week? How many people that have been killed senselessly in the last week? How about constant 
hindrances, constant persecutions, constant tribulations, constant discouragement, constant hopelessness being preached to us and presented to us by the news. The Bible says don't get weary in well-doing. And I, I am telling you that hearing all of this stuff will weary you. Joshua told Israel, let us go up. Joshua said, the people of Israel said, our brothers have discouraged us. And we have no faith. All of this stuff is wearing you down. All of this stuff is grinding on you. All of this stuff is trying to get you to become hopeless. Remember Lot, a righteous man, living in Sodom and Gomorrah. He has condoned his two daughters being married to two men that have never known a woman. The Bible says that the righteous man Lot was vexed by their lifestyles. We are constantly vexed by the world that we live in. Don't let it get you down. Don't let it get you down. Keep yourself encouraged. Then the last one. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 6. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 6. These little things that we watch for can help us keep the door closed to the devil. 1 Corinthians 3, 1. And it says, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. You understand that all the teachings that Paul's speaking about are faithless and hopeless. I speak to you as carnal men. And then it says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye are not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envy, strife, and divisions, and ye are ye not carnal and walk as men, for while one says, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who, the, who then is of Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos has watered, but God gave the increase." What is the greatest deterrent of unity? Division. Does it matter whose teachings you follow? Not if you've proven them and known them. But if you just side with somebody. You know, you know I used to hear, well, Brother Hagin said... Brother Hagin never would have wanted you to say that. Well, you know, Kenneth Copeland says, try that on the devil. 
Well, you know, Brother Jesse, Prophet so-and-so, on and on and on. What is that? That is carnality. We preach the gospel, not what anybody else says. Paul said, there is no other foundation that any other man can lay except Christ Jesus and him crucified. That is to be our message. Not the name of our church, not our denomination, and certainly not people we have never been exposed to. We just need to be in Christ. Amen? Because one is not better than the other, and the other is not worse than the other. We are Christians. We are children of God, daughters and sons. We are all in one, dependent upon one, equal with one. We all have different purposes, and the purposes certainly are protected and honored. But we are the same. Now, does that mean you and I are the same? Absolutely. When I step out of this pulpit, we are. But when I rule this church, make decisions for this church, preach out of this church, now I'm a shepherd and I watch for your souls. And I have to honor you just like you honor me. But when we're talking about this divisive stuff, it is not good when we pit men against Christ. When we choose Apollos over Jesus. When some man and his opinion or his translation speaks to our life more than what truth does and we'd rather hear someone than go to the word, then there's something wrong with us and the roots of it is carnal. So we want to shut those doors. We want to stop the activity of the devil. David, how many years have we known each other? 35, 36. You've been working for me, 35, 36. 30, yeah. Oh, I was going to give you a 35-year bonus, but I guess I'm not now. We'll get that in a couple years. And uh, David, you've been everywhere with me, I guess. Eating, working, hunting, fishing, uh, vacationing. You ever heard me cuss? Ever seen me do something stupid besides choose you as a friend? (laughs) Uh, No. (laughs) Have you ever seen something like, man, Pastor, what are you, ignorant? No, absolutely not. Because I want to live a Christian life. I want to go to heaven. Amen. 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 And whether you go or not, I'm going to preach to you, but I'm going to, not going to force you. I'm going without you. If you don't go, you go. I'm going. That's right. I told Phyllis when I got saved, I said, know this, honey. If you backslide or if you go to hell, you're going by yourself because I'm not, I'm not going back. Hallelujah. I'm not going back. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands up towards heaven. Jesus, you are here. I hear those old words. Oh, how he loved me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Your love brought salvation. Your love conquered death and hell. Your love stripped my adversaries and my enemies of all their power. You proclaimed over me victory because of your love. Jesus, you died for me when I was a sinner. I didn't even know you. But Jesus, you died for me on a cross. And after that, Jesus, you made a great proclamation to me. If you are heavy, heavy laden and burdened, if you need help, you need forgiveness, you need healing, if you need things transformed in your life, then I am your answer. I am your answer. I am your answer. Come and drink of waters that cost you nothing. Come and receive eternal life. No examination, no qualifications, just complete forgiveness. If you are here today, you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You don't have to be perfect. All you have to do is say, God, here I am. And I believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten Son. And I believe, God, that He shed His blood for my sins. And that caused His death. I believe, God, that when they laid Him in a tomb, that God, the third day, You, by Your power, raised Him from the dead. I believe, God, that Jesus Christ is alive right now. And I believe that He is Lord of my life. Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you 
as Lord of my life. Lead me, guide me, and I will follow. Make me what you've called me to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, the prayer team will be up here, and I asked you to come and share with them that you made that commitment. Hallelujah. Now, the power of God is moving. Uh, there, there is even a... Uh, right shoulder that is being healed right now. Uh, I don't think it's a rotary cup. I just see it. It's just stressed. And God is healing that right now. God is healing that. Hallelujah. Seems to me that you're a truck driver or something that has to do with trucks or something of that nature. And God is healing that right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's an ulcer being healed. And I say to you, don't worry anymore, for God is your provider. God is your answer. God is your mender and your healer. I curse right now that ulcer. Stop acting up. God, I loose miracles for that ulcer to be healed in Jesus Christ's name. I don't know if this even exists, an ulcerated eye. I, I don't even know what that is. But I'm telling you that God is healing that in the name of Jesus Christ. You'll awake tomorrow and it'll be resolved and it'll be healed and it's never going to come on you again in Jesus' name. Oh God, I thank you for your power. I thank you, God, for your healing and your mercy. And God, we give you the praise for it. Hallelujah. 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 Ashley, can we sing that new song? Good deal. <laughs> so we're going to dismiss and let's just continue to pray. Father, for our president. God, for our representatives, our senators, our congressmen. God, all of our local authorities. We pray, God, that you would give them a spirit of justice, a spirit, God, of fairness, a spirit, God, that is directed towards the people and their well-being. God, I ask you to visit them and speak to them in dreams and in visions. God, touch their hearts. Convict them, God, and save their souls. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you. See you in the evening. We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet.